Without further ado, man, you know what I'm saying? This most definitely is an honor to be in contact with a brother who's a survivor of mass incarceration. And uh, I could give you an introduction, you dig what I'm saying, but uh, I will allow for you to do it yourself. Uh, so please, um, without further ado, man, introduce yourself. What up, what up? This, uh, well, you know, I go by the name of Brad Fatch. Um, when I survived mass incarceration, I was Brandon Jordan. So I'm still at two, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm 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 I don't really call myself a survivor, man. I'm just a person that knew that that didn't realize the strength that he had until he was faced with something that he had to display that strength. So okay. I thrived through it. Okay, you know what I'm saying? All right, more than I survived, but uh, so yeah, that's about it, man. Yeah, um. Uh... You had made mention, I think, uh, on your podcast. Uh, brother, what is the name of your podcast? The podcast. Well, I actually have? don't. No, I, I don't have one. I was on the one, um, my homeboy, uh, Sir Quentin, Best of the Best podcast. So, okay. you know, I just support, I just support all and everything that's got to do with black businesses and independent businesses. We just going, uh, you can count on me. If you need some support, I'm gonna come through. No matter what the situation is, so I don't, I don't, I don't have a podcast just yet. I probably work my way around to getting one. I just gotta get my ducks in a row and line everything up. So, okay, okay. Um, you had made mention, I believe, on a brother podcast that uh, you and your celly was in a room, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I was, I was also, you know, somebody that I believe I had just turned like 17. You know, when um. I was uh, incarcerated. And so you had made mention that y'all was in a room and y'all was having a uh, a toilet paper fight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, when I was in the county jail, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, go go off into the to the science of that, man. You know, because one I, thing, uh, okay, y'all uh, trying to, you know what I'm saying, contend against idleness, but at the same time, right. you dig what I'm saying, you a teenager. So, yeah, go, go off Absolutely. into that a little bit. So what, it was in the county jail and I was 15. Okay. And what they would do, at the time, I was the youngest person in the county jail. I think the only other person that was remotely close to my age was probably about 17 or 18 or something like that. Right. So what they would do is they would attempt to put you in a room with somebody who was close to age, close in age to you. So um, that's how I wound up in a room with him. It just so happened I knew him from the neighborhood. Yeah. So. We used to go get rolls of uh, tissue from the desk. They would give you the whole roll of tissue. Okay. And, I mean, nobody really thinks that you're going to be irresponsible with a roll of tissue. But we're 15. Well, I'm 15. So we went and got a whole bunch of rolls of tissue from the desk. But we had other people go get rolls, too, because you could only go get a certain amount of rolls before they start to question what you're doing with it. Right. So, so we had about 10 or 15 rolls of tissue. And, uh... We started to unravel each one of them. We were just throwing back and forth until they all unraveled all the way, right? <laughs> and it would just be nothing but tissue just all over the room. And the deputy walked past, and uh, he looked in the room after while he was doing this round and said, what the fuck, are you 15? 
So I responded accordingly. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, what? So I said, I'm, you asked me, was I 15? I didn't even, I didn't even receive it or it didn't register as sarcasm because I was 15. I thought it was a legit question. Right. So he opened the door and asked me to come out. I'm like, what's up? He said, he said, what did you just say? I said, I'm 15. So he called me down to the desk, scanned my wristband, and uh, my crime popped up, which was armed robbery and assisted homicide at the time, before they reduced it to uh, uh, dangerous safety. Okay. So he said, what are you doing here? And I couldn't really answer it because I had never gone through this situation before, so I'm thinking this is just the process of it. I didn't realize the severity of it until years later. In retrospect, I was like, well, damn, I got waived to the adult system at 15, and I'm down here with all these guys, and they come to jail. I thought that was just the process. I thought everybody had went through that. So, but yeah, he was like, you 15. And from that moment on, he looked at me differently. And it was differently meaning in a more sympathetic light. And I saw that every time he looked at me. Hey brother, you and, know, uh, the, the first time you had shared that, I, I thought about the scene in uh, Boys in the Hood, where uh, it was towards the end of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Where the little baby was crossing the street, right? And, uh, I guess the female was more concerned about getting a hit. You know what I'm saying? A, 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 a adult and making sure the baby was straight, and so right. dude checked her. You know what I'm saying about? Uh huh. You know, prior prioritizing. You know what I'm saying? But right. At the same time, you know what I'm saying? The stuff that he wasn't saying, you look in his eyes like, man, what type of work did I get myself involved in? You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. And it was like when he looked at you and then he was surprised by how young you was, bro. He was like, man, what, what type of work have I got myself involved in? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, given that this is uh, election season, you know, a, a lot of the laws, you know what I'm saying, that was being, you know what I'm saying, promoted, you know what I'm saying, towards locking up guys younger and younger. You know right. What I'm saying, was, I mean, was heavily campaigned by, you know, Biden and uh, Absolutely. Trump, Trump was somebody that, you know what I'm saying, had a lot a lot of stuff to say about, you know, the Central Park Five back then that, uh -huh. uh, you know, if a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, just go back and just study, you know what I'm saying, these people's resumes. Like, yeah, man, you know, they contribute, contributed to, you know what I'm saying, from the block to prison pipeline, you know. And, uh, Definitely. You know, that, that, that pipeline left a lot of scars, brother, you know. and um, It did. It really did. It, it, it uh, you know, I know, I know for me when I got out, you know, it put me in a frame of mind of, you know, kind of being potty trained all over again. Because as an adult, mm -hmm. um, I, I really had no experience as the hottest, uh, this living thing out here, you know what I'm saying, consisted of, you know what I'm saying? I had ideas, but getting out here, you know, I'm a fish out of water. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, kind of like, you know, when you go to the joint, you're going through Dodge, you know what I'm saying? And you yeah, guys, yeah. You're really trying to figure out, like, who do I want to be in this environment? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing, too. They didn't even send me to Dodge at that time. Yeah. And, and the reasoning behind why they didn't send me to Dodge at that time was because I was too young. You went to what, Ryok or uh, what's that I, other place? I went to Wales, okay. and Wales acted as Dodge. 
And it was even more confusing because I'm like, well, if you lock me up in the county jail and all of these people are going to die and I'm here with them, so why can't I go to die where they going to be at? Mm. I just yeah. never understood it. So they told me I was too young to go to die, but they sent me to, to a place where all of the people are coming from going to die. So, yeah. so they sent me to Wales. So in Wales, legally, I was an adult. So let's just say if I'd have gotten into a fight and beat somebody up real bad or something, right. I was going to be charged as an adult. Yeah, man. You know, a lot of brothers that... So, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so the whole situation was a setup, man. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. You know what I'm saying? When you look at the amount of time that we spent in those environments and the adjustments mm-hmm. that we had to make upon release, you know, they, right. they had no intent of getting us ready to come back out here. You know at what all. I'm saying? To be successful. That was something that we had to have within us. And, right. Uh, it it, it kind of lead me to my first question. You know what I'm saying? Somebody who uh, has been mentoring me, you know what I'm saying? Without saying many words to me, you know, I say since like 2010, you know what I'm saying? I would just uh-huh. watch how this brother move, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. um, I would, I would ask myself, because, you know, when people see this brother, they'd be like, you know, kind of like the coming to America, you know what I'm saying? Moments yeah. where, brother, this is you. This is you. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And so I'm like, man, why why is this brother getting all these accolades and praise like this? You know what I'm saying? Is he he is he mafia for real? What what's uh-huh. to this brother? So I sit back and I used to watch Tobe, uh Ed Henny. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh like er- every move he made, bro, it it was I mean, it was velvet. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I had a chance, you know what I'm saying, to see this brother, because they used to always talk about his basketball game, but uh, I, I'll right. get to that later. But the brother had made a comment, you know what I'm saying, on, on Facebook. You know, he often, you know what I'm saying, to be driving in his car, be in his yard, and he has something to say, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that will agitate and educate you at the same time, you dig? And so right. the brother said, the fire within you has to burn hotter than the fire that's around you. Right. And I look at, you know what I'm saying, Coming from that mass incarceration experience, if you didn't have a fire within you, you know what I'm saying, to to see beyond, you know, those circumstances, you most definitely was going to get swallowed up, you know what I'm saying, in that beast. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to tell you something. You know, brother, you, you got to, you, you, you're very intelligent, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I, uh, I, I hated kids like you because right. it seemed like learning <laughs> learning came very easy, very easy for you. Like, I mean, reading, you know what I'm saying, was something is something that, you know, you 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 take on well, you know, and I often tell uh, Vincent Grady the same thing. And yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think he was kicking it with moms one day and, uh-huh. uh, you know, she had, you know, uh, she was a, a strong uh, advocate of you. You know what I'm saying? Standing in books and whatnot, right? And I ask Definitely. myself, I'm like, damn, how is it possible for him to have a love for books? You know what I'm saying? To that degree, and still get chewed up, swallowed up. You know what I'm saying? It's blocked the right. pipeline. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because see, like with me, it was the it was kind of like the opposite. Like I felt as though by the time I reached the fourth grade, they gave up on me, man. They was more concerned with. Right. Uh, having me go on field trips. I think we, my class, you know what I'm saying? It was approximately like nine of us in the class. And they were uh-huh. more concerned with having us go on field trips every week 
than, you know what I'm saying, uh, getting us to have that thirst for education. So when I got to prison, brother, I had a second grade reading level. You know what I'm saying? Really? I had a second grade reading level, and I didn't really get off into reading and stuff until they sent me to segregation. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I, you know, started, you know, reading books that uh, kind of, you know what I'm saying, um, entice my curiosity for mm-hmm. just who I am as a man. You know what I'm saying? And not just a man, but a black man. You know what I mean? Right. And so I believe, you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X kind of got me going and wanting to, you know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Absolutely. To have a, an affinity for words and, and things of that nature. But, yeah, back to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, reading has, has been very important to you, and I think that that, you know, kind of helped you with that fire, you know, within you that I was right. uh, talking about when that brother had made that uh, that statement. So uh, if you could kind of expand on that a little bit for me, you know. I'm going to tell you, man, well, you know, my uh, at the time, my mom was in uh, she was in school for I want to say liberal arts or something like that. Okay, right. And my stepdad was he was a uh, he had graduated with a degree in accounting, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so reading was a punishment for me. Okay, like that that was something that they used. As a consequence, anytime I did something wrong in school or do or did something wrong throughout the neighborhood, right? Yeah. It was just so happened I always because I always been a real active person. I had a whole bunch of energy. Some things came easy to me, which meant I picked up on other things and I knew a little more than what I probably should have at a young age. Yeah. So I typically stayed in trouble. Nothing real major, but just you know some punishment type of stuff. You can't go outside for a couple of days or whatever. Okay. But. Not going outside for a couple of days didn't mean just sitting in the house. It meant doing something while you're not going outside. Yeah. So what they would do is they would give me, my mama would give me her textbook. My 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 stepdad would give me a dictionary and say, hey, man, read this chapter out of the textbook and any word that you come across that you don't know, you look it up. And then after you look it up, you use it in a sentence. Okay. I'm like, man, this is some bullshit, right? <laughs> so... Of course, as a kid, you think it's the worst thing in life. I'm, I'm eleven. I'm supposed to be outside chasing girls or playing tag or doing whatever. Yeah. And um, my mother used to make this statement to me, and I didn't even understand it because I didn't even have a girlfriend. I was a virgin, et cetera, et cetera. She used to say, uh, "Don't know woman, want no dumb man." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I don't even what." So she prepared me, of course, not for prison. But what happened when I went to prison? It was concentrated. Yeah. I just zeroed in. Yeah. Part of the reason, part of that reason was because when I went to court, when I was 15, they used all of these legal terms. And as they used the legal jargon in court, I didn't understand nothing. Everything went over my head. And I couldn't wrap my mind around them speaking the same language that I'm speaking. We all speak in English, but I didn't understand what they was talking about. Yeah, and it when, blew my mind. Yeah, the judge. So I said, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, the judge, the DA, my lawyer, everybody in court was just, it's like I was just there as a guest. And I was sitting in on some type of seminar that wasn't about me, but it was actually about me. So as I sat here and I listened, I needed that dictionary at that time. But I didn't have it. uh, And I couldn't understand nothing. Yeah, the judge, he he said something to me that kind of, you know, rings home that point. Well, no, he actually mm-hmm. said it to everybody, but 
uh, I had to look at my attorney. Uh, right. Uh, I had to look at him, you know, his body language to find out that, yeah, that wasn't good when he said 2020 yeah. running yeah. consecutive, right? Yeah. And I looked at my attorney and he dropped his pen and, and put his hands on his head, right? And I'm like, oh, that ain't good. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be good. So he broke it down for me what it meant. You know what I'm saying? When I got, you know, to the back chambers and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. I, uh-huh. I most definitely, uh, you know, get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, it was that thing. So I said to myself, uh, I vowed to myself that I, that I would never, ever be in another room with people who speak the same language as I and not understand what they say. Okay. So I just harken back to the time when I was being punished by way of reading. And everything that I did revolved around the comprehension of mm. something that I didn't know previously. And I just made sure I studied everything, speech patterns of certain people. I was an avid watcher of Tavis Miami. Mm-hmm. I watched everything on PBS. I studied people's speech patterns. I used to only watch programs I didn't understand just so I would eventually be able to understand them. And all I did man, was made sure that you're not just going to tell me anything and make me say yes awkwardly because I don't understand what you're saying. I'm going to ask as many questions as I possibly can. Until I understand every single thing about what's going on. And then I'm going to make a decision of whether or not I want to be involved in it. Yeah. You know, I often, you know what I'm I often told my wife when she used to come see me that, uh-huh. uh, you know, there was a word, you know, in the English language that uh, I was very allergic to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Bro, brother, it, it handicapped me for a long time. And that was mm-hmm. the word help. You know, I, right. I, I think I re introduced myself uh, and reinvented myself when I said that that word was going to be my best friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, and just saying, hey, I need help with this or I need help with that. Or uh-huh. Not saying a word, yeah. but, you know, questioning like, hey, how does go, how that work, right? Yeah. And give yeah. the person a platform, you know what I'm saying, to to help you with your understanding. That was one of the uh-huh. best moves, best moves, you know what I'm saying, that I've done and, and still do. Yeah, it, me brother. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. And I learned I learned that I have to, or, or, or I had to take the arrogance out of things. Mm. From, you know, from what, anytime I approach something, take the arrogance out of it. Mm-hmm. So then you can get good. Yeah. And it's built up upon, because all confidence is, is a series of victories that's strung together. Say and it again. culminates. Say that one more time. All confidence is, is a series of victories that's strung together. Mm. And it's just, it culminates into the thing that we call confidence. I always do this example. It's like playing basketball, right? Yeah. When you take a couple of shots and you make two or three shots, right? You build up a confidence in your shooting. Yeah. So then when you miss the fourth one, it's not so bad because you're already on the streak. So the yeah. fifth one, you have more confidence in than the disappointment of the fourth shot. Exactly. So it's, it's the same thing with life when you when you you know when you apply yourself fully. And you start to experience those little victories. When you falter on one thing, it's not really a failure because you still learn something. So the next time that you go out and attempt whatever endeavor, then you just can start again more informed than what you did before because you fostered previously. So it's not that bad. It's just I'm getting better. I'm sharpening my metal. I'm sharpening my tools for this for this for this uh this battle that that's that's within me, so I can become a better person. In any aspect, and in, 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 
in every aspect. So all I did was, um, I just wrote, you know, you know, I got a book coming out in December. So, and I was saying in the book that the I used to learn stuff. What's, what's the name? It's of called book? It's, it's called Courage Under Fire, mm. and the subtitle is Nothing Changes Unless You Do. Nothing changes so, unless you do. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so it's a semi-autobiographical self-help book. It's pretty much the stuff that I learned, how I applied it, not just what I learned. And, you know, it's my story. I got a few photographs and stuff in there. So it's, it's, it's going to be real nice, man. But in there, I mentioned my vocabulary was always advanced for my age when I was a child. So I was reading on the 12th grade level by the time I was in 6th or 7th grade, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the words I used, it caused people to talk about me. It caused people to make fun. You know our kids. Are. They joke and stuff like that. And, you know, I always had a sense of humor, so I didn't really care much. You know, outside of the little slight sense of embarrassment from just being a kid and having that spotlight on you and people talking about you, it was nothing major. But, you know, when I was up north, it was the same thing. Like, oh, oh man, come ready about to say some shit we don't understand. So, so got that, you know what I'm saying? That kind of became, that kind of became an all running joke, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it was all in good fun, though. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So what happened was this. I would, uh, the words or the the, the, the the terms I would use that were once punchlines and jokes wound up being that. And then the guys who was talking about me, which was my guys, they wound up using these words in their vocabulary. Yeah. So it went from being, we joking, Brad this, Brad that, whatever, whatever. To them saying it in a joking manner, and then you can see the shift over time. It goes from being a joke to just a confidently spoken term. Hey, man. You know, Pac had the, uh, I don't know, it was just revolutionary how he made it cool. You know what yeah. I'm saying? To mention words in his rhymes that, you know, a lot of people didn't understand, but they like, man, I like how that sound and it encouraged me. Yeah, and that's what did it for me. And you know, and, said, you and know listening what? till you get down on that mic, brother, you have that <laughs> element of making that connection. You know what I'm saying? Of uh, being able to, you know what I'm saying, fit something, you know what I'm saying, to go along with a beat, but right. also intro- introducing people, you know what I'm saying, to words, phrases, or ideas that normally, you know, probably wouldn't come out your, you know, like certain people, right, exactly. certain people, you know what I'm saying, just, just have that that ability, you know what I'm saying, to reach people like that. You right. Know? So, yeah, you know, that's one thing that, that come to mind, like, when, when I hear you get down on the mic or when I hear you get down, you know what I'm saying, as far as motivational doing, you know what I'm saying, type of activities uh-huh. is that you have a uh, a comfort level about yourself to, uh, yeah, introduce the, something to somebody that, you know, they, you know, I mean, they might clown you, but deep inside – yeah, they're using it. <laughs> right, right. Using and uh, look, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you how I also, I'm, I, I'm gonna tell you what I also did. I realized I started to study terms and just how we use these words, right? Okay. So if I tell you, Rufus, you're using it, man. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Because I'm using you too, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You can call me and use me as an ear, a shoulder, or whatever. Just don't right? misuse me. You know? Exactly. Uh. You know what I'm saying? So I think people people get so caught up in how we use certain terms that they don't understand that it's not as bad as it may seem. So what I started to do was I placed myself in the position to be used. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and I would go learn things on purpose just to come back and relay those things that I learned 
with the guys that I was locked in with at these tables and that they wouldn't otherwise learn. And then they started to come to me and say, man, check this out, because they assumed I knew certain things. They would be sharpening me, too. Yeah. You know, so it became a thing yeah. like that. You know, uh, like, I'm laughing because, like, in thinking of some of them segregation moments, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. You, it's all about discovery, no matter whether you, you know what I'm saying, age one to ten or, or in an incarcerated environment where you have so many what-you-can't-do uh, policies, right? And you have right. to maneuver you know, yourself around those policies in order, you know what I'm saying, to try to, you know, get a taste of what it feels like to be human, right? So, like, in my right. when I was still in my teens and we would be in a hole and whatnot, you know, we would test that dictionary out, you know what I'm saying, on, mm-hmm. on like female COs, right? Yeah, you know yeah. And so, yeah, even though it was on, you know, even though it was on something, you know what I'm saying, managed, right? We yeah. still was learning. We still was learning. You know what I'm saying? Because that right. fraternizing thing, I became acquainted with that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in a very uh, 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 messed up way. You know what I'm saying? Because right. they let you know, like, we don't want you to know what it feels like to be human. You know what I'm saying? Do what mm-hmm. you say. Do not as we do. You a robot. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's that. I'm like, I ain't comfortable with that. Because I'm not going to be here for the rest of my life going through that. So I'm going to prepare myself. But getting back out there, you know what I'm saying? And so right. if I got to do it on a level that's beyond your understanding, I'm going to do that. That's mm-hmm. what I do. You know what I'm saying? So it started out as that, you know what I'm saying? And that was a game within the game. You know what I right. mean? But then yeah. you like, hold on, man. I can be using my time, you know what I'm saying, a little bit more creative. You know what I'm saying? Then exactly. It, and then it got to other things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just one of the memories have popped up, you know, in regards of yeah, how can yeah. I make this learning thing entertaining for me? You know what I'm saying? When they say I can't do something. Man, look, I found out, I found out um, that early on and didn't really uh, think about the value in it. That yeah. the dictionary ain't just words. Okay. It's people, it's places, it's moments in history. Mm. It's, it's all type of stuff. Yeah. And I said, well, damn, I'm not just looking up definitions. I'm actually loved. They got these, these, these quips of history and these small snapshots of uh, the background of these people. And it might just be shallow. Like if you look up Malcolm X, you might say, well, uh, black nationalist from the nation of Islam right. died in 1965. Right. That's all they might say. But still, it said something. And that might lead you to something else. And then it might lead you to something else. So I was like, well, damn, it ain't just words. So I didn't just look at the words. I, I remember teaching a brother when I was locked up how to read the dictionary. Not read it, but just how to use it. Okay. Where you got in the in the, in the parentheses, whether uh, uh, a noun is a pronoun or a, I mean a noun, a word is a noun or, or, or an adjective or, or something else. I'm like, bro, you if you look at this, okay, it's a whole, I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Um, I I chose to try to use words or, or every variation of one word, right? So if you say, like I learned what the word uh, reciprocity means listening to X Factor by Lauren Hill in 1998. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it meant. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but the root word is reciprocal. Mm-hmm. So the adjective is reciprocity so but i wanted to use 
every variation of one word, whether it was conspicuous versus the the, the variation of conspicuity. So I'm like, I'm I found myself being this. I don't want to say a reluctant teacher, but it's like a. I was an armchair teacher, I guess you could say. Like, hey, man, you know, we can do this, we can do that. Because I knew that a lot of guys, I mean, a lot of us had faltered early on in life educationally and academically, and we wound up doing something else in the street, and we built on that. And that became the thing that we used as our guiding light, right? Yeah. So um, a lot of the guys I knew on the street that was hood rich got to the joint and didn't know what to do because they were ac- they were academically talented. And they looked at me like, dog. And I could see, I could see when the respect shifted. The yeah. respect was there on the street, but they, but, but they was preoccupied with the notoriety. Yeah, they, they looked at you a little bit more different. You know what I'm saying? The fact exactly. We all are in a place where we don't have home court advantage. So to see right. you at the free throw line with everybody booing you and you still perform, and they like, wait a minute. Uh-huh. How is he able to convert over to this and still be that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then it'd be like, man, look, intelligence is cool. I was, I always admired the guys on the movies mm-hmm. that showed this sophistication. Like, they were savvy, but they was also savages, and they were cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You didn't, and I'm like, damn, yeah, okay. You, you didn't just inspire the queen to speak, so I'm going to let her ask you a question real quick, uh, uh, bro. Okay. Uh, hello. Uh, I'm, I've been listening to y'all talk since you started, and uh, just to let you know, I'm his wife. Um, okay. been with him for about 10 years now, eight of those while he was incarcerated. Um, and, okay, long haul. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you know, long haul for a reason, though. You know, my husband and you are talking about that fire within that really brings you to your purpose uh-huh. and drives you to do things. And right as we're talking, you are talking about this. It just um, right now I'm really heavy off into learning about Islam because I've been a Muslim for about eight years now. And okay. I feel like. I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life really learning this, just like the dictionary can take you years and years and years. And as you're talking about that context within the dictionary, because it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not just a word. It's not right. just this means that. They do break it down into, okay, it's a noun or it's an adjective or it's a verb, depending yeah. on the context. And if you don't have that context... If you don't have the history of how that came about, you really don't understand the power of the word. Absolutely. So so I'm looking at it like if your ultimate purpose is to, for me, it is to please Allah, to let Allah know that when I go into a circumstance, especially an educational circumstance, I'm Mm -hmm. looking for the information that is going to get me to that goal. And and that is to be most pleasing to Allah. On the day of judgment, when he asked me about things, I want to say, well, I tried to please you and be honest about that. And right. it sounds like when you're talking about your time in prison, it's very parallel to that. It's very like... Right, exactly. It's, it's having that end goal in mind 
And not only am I going to reach that goal, but how do I reach that goal? Exactly. And you're talking about an armchair, how did you say it? Armchair educator or something like that? Yeah, yeah, armchair teacher. <laughs> right. So, I, I, that, because in the context in which you were teaching, you understood who you were teaching, right? Exactly. So, to stand in front of that group of people and you shared something, you understood something about them, and to come at them in a very regimented way where teaching usually takes place. Is probably not going to be familiar to them, right? Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I learned that, I learned that, uh, where you know from experience too, where, where it depends on how I'm learning what I'm learning, and also who is teaching it. So they looked at me like I was one of them because I am. I'm a cool guy to them. We hang out. Otherwise, even outside or whatever, um instructional educational platform we just kick it we listen to music together we talk about girls together we got in trouble we do all of these different things together so it was more it was easier for them to receive it for me than somebody who they didn't feel understood them and i can recall feeling the same way when i had teachers in school who i felt understood me mm. right so the education takes on a different tone there is just like the context within the dictionary Right. If you understand that context, and sometimes it's way over everyone's head because it's so far back or uh -huh. so far removed, but if you can understand the context, not just the purpose, but the context, it gives it so much weight. And I just, you know, it just struck me how it continues to strike me as we talk to people who have experienced incarceration, like my husband, is that. You know, we can say that's, for me, it, I always say, well, it's like a whole different um, society. It, it's, it is. It it's definitely is. removed. So that context in which you all grow, a lot of people like to use that as a reason why you should be in there. Like bad, like you need to be punished. So you need to be in this really terrible context. And the more I learn and the more I listen to you all, the more I realize that the, that is kind of a gift for those who can take it and run with it, like you and my husband and other people, uh -oh. that you can create something beautiful the way that you're talking, like this this uh, connection that you all make. It's so strong because, I mean, outside looking in, it seems like you needed that to keep going. So what could be more powerful than that? Yeah, it definitely was worth it. Like it's, it, you know, for me, it was. It, I, I looked at it um, from a, a standpoint of like if somebody drops you in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, right? Right. You pretty much have two options: you either sink or you swim. For me, swimming was the only option because I didn't want my life to be defined by this moment. Right. Like I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't consciously accept, oh, yeah, man, Brad was in prison and that was it. That's the greatest thing he's done. Mm. And, you know, and not to mention America loves the comeback story. Man. So I said to myself, shit, I got to get to the shore. And even if I risk, as I'm swimming, getting eaten by a shark, at least I'm not just sitting idly if it happens. So I had to move. It just so happened. I made it to sure. But I took people with me 
even the ones who probably wouldn't have made it had I not been around or had they not bumped into somebody like myself or somebody else that kind of allowed them to see that fire and that light that shone that shone within them. And uh, yeah, man, like I didn't realize what I was doing while I was doing. You know, I'm looking back at all of this. I'm like, okay, that's what I did. So you know, as 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 it's taking place, you don't really realize the severity or the importance of it. Right. But once and you go through it and look back, you say, "Wow, I did that." So now, when you look back, and then I'll kind of step out of this conversation because I like the fact that you. But when right. you, when you look back, are you taking with you a bit of an awareness for the next opportunity? Yeah, definitely. Because it sounds that's like that's my the, frame of reference. Yeah. So, like, you can say, okay, but I didn't really understand I was in the middle of it back then. but And I don't think you ever really know you're right in the middle of it. Right. But the next time you get into an opportunity where you could possibly change someone's life or inspire them through, you know, whatever gift you've been given by God, are you more conscious of your effect now? Well, now, now it's an effort. Okay, yeah. As opposed to... Yeah, you know, it's like there's an effort to assist, to help, to teach and whatnot. Whereas before, it was just I'm going about it. And I was helping myself, too. It wasn't just them. It was me. Like, a lot of the songs I wrote were to myself. It just so happened people identify with it because we come from the same struggle. Hmm. All right. I thank you for my interruption, and it was really inspiring. Thank you. Oh, yeah, no problem. I appreciate it, too. Um... Brother, are you, are you outside? Yeah, I just came outside and got in the car. Okay, yeah, because the wind was, uh, I guess uh-huh. the wind had something to say. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I felt, I was trying to get over here as quick as I could, too, because I figured that was going to happen. Hey, hey, you know, uh, I had, uh, I believe it was, uh, 2005. Uh, I was in a hole, you know, during the time where Hurricane Katrina had hit real hard. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the time, I was sent to segregation for a group resistance application. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> hold on, the wind, the wind, I guess, want to chime in on that, right? <laughs> right. Okay, so, yeah, so I was sent to the hole for a group resistance and petition. There was a book uh-huh. that I was reading. I was circulating through the institution uh, called uh, We Are Our Own Liberators by Jaleel Bottom. Right. Jaleel Bottom is one of the BLA members. Uh, okay. Yeah. So Black Liberation Army. Yeah. So I was, um, yes, you know, circulating the material, and uh, was sent to SEG for it, and um, also uh, some some material by a brother by the Chokwe Lumumba. You know, one of uh, he's a member of the New African Independence Movement. And, okay. Uh, so I was in, I was in, I was put in SEG for circulating that material, right? And uh, I wrote the brother uh, Chokwe Lumumba, and I said, "Look, man." Uh, they they saying that you know what I'm saying by me circulating this material in the institution, you know what I'm saying that I'm you know a security risk and I'm making it an unsafe environment. So right, the brother wrote the warden and informed him that my First Amendment rights was being violated and also that he's a lawyer. You know he need to cease okay. and desist with what he's doing. So what they did was they 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 gave my hearing a a, a remand. You know what I'm saying? Which means that I had to do the whole disciplinary thing all over again. Now, it just so happened that 
my disciplinary hearing had took two days in order for them to give me 180 days of SEG, right? The individual who did it, you dig what I'm saying, wasn't the individual that wrote the Connor report. The security director, you know what I'm saying, wrote the Connor report. And uh, I guess his lieutenant or whatnot, you know what I'm saying, was at the hearing. But I'm busting the lieutenant head, you know what I'm saying, right. so bad that he didn't know how to justify putting me in SEG. So he was like, all right, uh, we're going to postpone this hearing. I'm going to let you go back to your cell, and uh, we're going to resume it tomorrow. Now, this is July 4th that the hearing taking place, right? So on July 5th, he already got a spill right. typed out. You know what I'm saying? And so as I'm continuing, you know, my argument, I'm looking at the spill, and I'm saying to myself, man, this is a rubber band hearing. He already got it, you know what I'm saying, uh, rolled out as to what's going to take place, right? So... For the most part, I'm like, man, go on and do what you finna do, man. Um, I see y'all in court. Right. So they end up giving me a 180, but you know, to fast forward a little bit, uh, they remanded the hearing, right? Uh, okay. They let me out on the halftime of the hearing, but the hearing never took place. So really, uh, it ne- the hearing never took place, right? So this this is what they this is what they did. Now, I um uh, I was consulting with one of the brothers, and I'm like, look, man, this is what took place. Now he pretty versed in the law. Uh, and he was like, look, man, this is what they're doing. Uh, if you don't, you know, file an ICI within 21 days of yeah. X, Y, and Z, then, you know what I'm saying, you're going to lose your right to have it expunged, right? You know what I'm saying? But you can hold them accountable, you know what I'm saying, for that because they exceeded a certain time limit. So I did that. Right, right. right. To the letter, they dismissed it, right? But that just goes to show you that even in the wrong, even when they're in the wrong, uh they want you, you dig what I'm saying, to find out what a wrong yeah. is, and then, you know, they can dismiss yeah. it on technicality. So, yeah. by them dismissing it on technicality, they did another room search, they gave me the material back, did another room search, got the material again, and then hit me with possession of contraband, because they couldn't get me on the uh, group resistance and petition, right? Yeah, man. Okay. I remember... Go ahead, go ahead, my fault. So, <laughs> um... So right around this time, the reason why I'm bringing this up because it's right around the time where uh, I suffered my knee injury, you know, and so uh, I suffered a knee injury on the basketball court. Now, prior to uh-huh. the knee injury, I loved the game, but I didn't have a respect for it. Yeah, I thought, exactly. I thought that the only thing that was needed on the court was me. Everybody else was useless, right? Because it was like, <laughs> a, it, was like it was like a game. It was like a game that I would play in my room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would determine. Uh, whether or not I hit the last second shot, I would determine how many points I get, and I would determine uh-huh. who was going along for the ride with me, right? Very arrogant. But when I suffered that knee injury and I had to adjust to rely on other people on the court, and I had to yeah. adjust my game, man, that was frustrating, bro. And that was hard for me until I got to Oshkosh. Right. I seen this guy now the name of Ed with something wrapped around his waist, right? Uh huh. And so I asked him, I'm like, man, what, 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 what's wrong with you? He was like, man, if I don't wrap this around my waist, you know, my internal organs will get to spilling out this, uh, what they call, what he have a spleen issue? It was something going on, but really, he out there killing them dudes, bro, killing them. I seen this man go for 45 points in a championship game, wrapped up like that. Uh, yeah. So I, I adjusted my game based upon. You know what? What he did it motivated me. You see what I'm saying? And I'm gonna bring this full right. circle. We end up winning the championship that year too with my team, right? Uh huh. And uh, 
So anyway, I end up getting hit with a group resistance and petition at Oshkosh. They end up sending me at Green Bay. Bam, I get out. Yeah. I a book out. I see Ed got a book out. I see he got a barbershop, and I see that he, yep. he has a moving company, right? Uh-huh. So now this same brother's kind of, you know, motivate me, you know what I'm saying, how to take it from the basketball court to society. You know what I'm saying? How to how to function as a grown man in society. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you a felon. Okay, so what? Uh, you right, back. so now what? So what? Uh, this still can get done. Uh-huh. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna give you an example. I ain't gonna say much to you, but I'm gonna show you, right? Yeah, this for can, sure. This can get done, right? And so that brings me to this because you you motivate me, but you know you 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 uh you you do it in. in, in I mean, you just a little too cool with it, right? Like you, you, hit, <laughs> you said, I said you said on Facebook he was like uh doubt self doubt. Doubt, yep. self-doubt so yeah that's something that we've been doing but i don't really think that we've been really giving ourselves enough credibility you know what i'm saying when right. it comes to things that are very very important you know what i'm saying for us to give a give a give ourselves credibility for you know what i'm saying and all of uh-huh. us on the basketball court i'm doubting self-doubt okay my kneecap out of place like bro i had major surgery on that knee the kneecap i didn't play it on it so much that the kneecap the kneecap gang banger. This it's it ain't even in the right place no more, right? But <laughs> I'm, I'm still that. I'm still out there. You know what I'm saying? In accruciating right. pain. I can't even bend this knee, and I'm still out there. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. Not dominating, <laughs> but I'm a factor. I'm a factor. Right, right but I'm a factor. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and 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 I and I'm thinking the game to a degree where, yeah, we getting the job done. You know what I'm saying? And I'm a major right. piece of getting this job done. You know. So, yeah, now we out here in society, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like everything coming, you know, full circle again, you know? And this is after I almost died twice before I got out, B. You know what I'm saying? Two heart, you know what I'm saying, operations that I had, you know, within a... Really? From 2016 to now I had two heart operations. You know what I, I mean? Know that, man. So, doubt and self-doubt. All right. The while, while I'm going through that, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, yeah, I, okay. That's not going to stop me from getting out here and doing what I need to do. I don't even know exactly what it is that I really finna get out here and do. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to stay out here while I'm doing it. I'm going to make something happen, though. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, yeah, you know, like, reading this brother book and, you know what I'm saying, just studying, you know what I'm saying, the moves you've been making. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, man, everything, you know what I mean, though it don't make complete sense, it's making sense for what it need to make sense for right now. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And, and so, lad, you 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 hit upon that uh, doubt, self doubt, and that's what all this is really re- revolving around. Because even with being sent to the hole for them group resistance and petitions, uh, the one in Oshkosh, we had to get on that. You know what I'm saying? What took place with that later? But uh, I think yeah. everybody at one point in time in Oshkosh got hit with that same thing. Oh my god! I mean, they 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 they, they hit me. They, I'm, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. I doubt self doubt. I doubt uh-huh. myself doubt because even though that was a major loss for me, it ended up being one of my best wins. You know? Right. And so, uh, yeah, man, when you hit upon that, what was your, you know, what what agitated you to the point where you wanted to share that with the world when you said that? Well, what happened was, um, I just know sometimes when we begin things, right, uh, 
sometimes when we begin things, there's like a scale that uh that weighs the self belief and the self doubt. Okay. Right. So I read somewhere years ago that if you don't feel like what you're doing is insane, you're probably not doing something worthwhile. Mm. Right. <laughs> so so I'm like when you decide to embark on these endeavors, when we decide to embark on these endeavors, it's going to be a lot of questions. It's going to be a lot of doubt within yourself. Okay. So I'm like, you got to question them questions. Doubt the doubt because the doubt is what's going to stop you. So you have to stop what's designed to stop you. Mm-hmm. And it was just that. And ultimately, it just means keep going. And it, it, as long as it's making sense to you, keep going. The moment it stops making sense is the moment you should abort mission. Mm. And that's exactly why I stopped smoking cigarettes years ago because they stopped making sense to me. Mm. Mm. And I'm like, why would I put smoke in the only thing that keeps me? I can't, nobody in life is living without their love. Yeah. You may live with one love, but it's, 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 it's tantamount to dumping in some water and taking a deep breath under the water. Mm. You killing yourself is just a slow. It's just at a glacial pace. Mm. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna doubt what's designed to stop me, which is that that self doubt. Anytime you have an idea that you want to go with, sometimes just go with it. If you think about it too much, then you're gonna mess it up. It's no different than the artist that 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 paints a beautiful portrait and just can't leave well enough alone. He want to touch it up, touch it up. Eventually, <laughs> touch it up is going to be like, you just messed the damn paint up, man. Mm. What you doing? Mm. So just let things be sometimes. Even though most of us are perfectionists, most of us are people that just don't know how to leave well enough alone. Start something else. Yeah. So you can just continue. Take the energy that you would be putting in messing that up into creating something new. Yeah, I'm just thinking about them crumbled up pieces of paper in the garbage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was exactly. To write something out. Yeah. Know? How many times I done started over? You know what I'm saying on something that was a masterpiece before I threw it in the garbage. You know. I went to the studio. Um, yesterday, and uh, I'm about to go back in a minute too because I got to meet my guys. I'm about to touch this song up, but I went and I didn't write nothing. Yeah, you got like ten minutes. Yeah, I went. I went and, and I didn't write nothing. Right. Yeah. And uh, I played the beat, and I felt it, and I, and you know whatever came out came out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we gonna touch that up. Whereas before, for me, it's easier, and, and this ain't about music. You know, it's all gonna come full circle, like I said. But um, I write something at home, or I write something in the room, or wherever, and then I would have to go record it. And, and what the challenge is recapturing the energy that existed when you wrote it at first. Okay. So I said, if I can just go in here and I can do, if I can write, quote unquote, as as a recording, essentially, because that's what it is, then I don't have to recapture the energy because it's already being captured. It's already there. So it's the same thing with uh, other things in your life, the other endeavors that we partake in. The energy is already there. You don't have to recapture it. You just have to repurpose it when you... Uh, I guess you could say when you accomplish one thing, mm. you repurpose that same energy into something else, and you can't lose. 
Yeah. You know, I used to feel like it was something wrong with me when, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess some people, they'll be like, man, why you always got to get so, uh, you know, deep? You know what I'm saying? When we talking about, you, we was just talking about, you know what I'm saying? Making some right. hot dogs. Why you got to get all yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> philosophical about, <laughs> and, and, and what it really be though, man, I appreciate who I'm talking to. You know, so I just don't want it to be about boiling hot dogs, man. I kind of want to be able to say something to them, you know what I'm saying, to help them see through, through some things that I had to see through. Because we going through the same thing, you know? The same thing. You know, so, yeah, let me, all right, we can talk about these hot dogs, but let me hit you with this, too. That's funny. It's funny, it's funny, it's funny you said hot dogs because. I watched this is a side note. I watched a documentary on hot dogs about 15 years ago and stopped eating. I thought I'd never eat a hot dog again. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I was watching a movie where uh, they was you know trying to get rid of this body, so they yeah. get to the part where uh, he chopping the body up and they put it in the meat grinder, right? And it came out. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like ground beef. You know, and um, you know, and that's like my current job now, where you know I, I test the meat out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, the meat percentage, the fat percentage of it. You know what I'm saying? And I got to put it in the grinder in order to be able to do right. it, right? But yeah, man, um, that that that's that's most definitely. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what I what I. Uh, I see y'all. Let me, I'm gonna tell you what I. Uh, what I picked up from. Uh, I picked up from Toad, man. You know, when I was uh when I was when I first went to Oscar, because I met Toad. I actually met Toad in 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 ninety seven. But because we was in the county jail together, we was in five C at the same time. Okay. But we didn't really know each other because like I say, I was a kid. Yeah. You know, we was just all in the same struggle. So when I met him officially 2006, 2005 or six, something like that. What Toad represented for me was what I had been looking for. Meaning that I was looking for something or somebody that would give me a reason to carry on. Because 20, 20, 20 years at 22 years old is rough. I got that initial sentence. I got that sentence initially. I mean, when I was 15, it, it was a stage sentence, though. Okay. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I seen so, and uh, he uh he came out the room, man, and, and I didn't know who he was, and but the energy that he carried himself with was like, wow. He didn't wear prison. Mm. If, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he didn't wear it like a lot of other people that I was around did. Yeah. They seemed like convicts. They seemed like guys that had been away I was just finna for, touch on fine that. Yeah. for a long time. They seemed like those types of people. He, he was, Toe didn't wear that. He was Clark Kent for real. He was the, the black Clark, Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah. Until he yeah. got to the basketball court. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> or the barber chair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, he didn't wear it. So I was like, yeah. And you know, at the time, I'm a young dude. At the time, I was about 22. 
23. You know, so I'm nine years older than me. Yeah. And um, we wound up meeting and hanging out. Like, yeah, dog smooth as like he 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 cool. Yeah. And he was somebody. His energy was something I aspired to have. That yeah. type of energy, yeah. because I didn't want to wear prison either. Right. I didn't want to. I didn't want somebody to look at me and say, "Hey, man, dude, just got out." None of that stuff. Hmm. So. So when I did come home, nobody ever said that to me because I was able to fellowship with Tobe the way that I was, the way that I've always done. And we got cool and he became one of my favorite people and I became one of his favorite people. And it was just conversation after conversation after conversation that led to what both him and I are doing right now. And then some other stuff that we didn't plan because, you know, as you go on your journey, you figure other things out that you want to be involved in. So, But yeah, man. Um, I was just looking for so many things. I read books and biographies about people that had gone through what I was going through. And um, most notably, A Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela. Mm. Uh, Beautiful book. Yeah, man. It was that's probably one of the most monumental books regarding the, that, 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 that specific topic I've ever read. Uh, and uh, he just He's just a phenomenal person. So I'm like, if this guy could spend 18 years on Robin Island, then goddamn it, I can do however long they're going to keep me here in Oscott with this carpeted day room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that was my frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah. For real. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, you know, it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing, man. Like, even, even when we was at the picnic back in June, and just seeing all of us, all of the guys that, that, that we had met along the way. Some of us we know, I mean, some of us we have in common, the other ones we don't. That camaraderie is still there. And just to see all of us on this side of that fence doing the things that we do and enjoying life the way that we are supposed to enjoy it, the way that we were destined to enjoy it, it's a beautiful thing. And it was nothing short of inspirational for me. Yeah, that was a beautiful moment, man. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah, we, we got to do a part two, uh, Brad, because... Uh, just don't know how fast that hour went. You know, in that book, uh, Long Walk to Freedom, you know, Mr. Uh-huh. Mandela said, uh, you know, sometimes the minutes seem like hours and sometimes the hours yep. seem like minutes when doing time. Yeah. You know, and, um, yeah, I, I think that kind of bowls true for, you know what I'm saying, just moments, you know, especially moments. If you want. Yeah, like. If been, you want to. I've been wanting this moment right here, what, what we doing, you right. know what I'm saying, for some months, you know, but, um, to have a healthy respect for it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I wasn't going to force it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this. If you, want, if you want to, we can do it again next weekend. Well, I, I would like for it to be a regular occurrence, you know what I'm saying? Especially, you know what I'm uh-huh. saying, when I'm thirsting for, you know what I'm saying, some type of uh, perspective. You know what I mean? On some whatever it is, you know, but uh, I most definitely got some things lined up that I really want you to be a part of in addition to some other brothers. Uh, OK. Uh, yeah, man, I just want to get my stuff together. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. To the table, you know, continue to use y'all exa- as examples, man. And um, yeah, so this, Absolutely. Is, this, is, this is part one. And uh, we, we want to continue to, you know, what I'm saying just build on this and, you know, definitely. Uh, this, this is a great foundation to start off. Put this puzzle together. Absolutely. I know that I do appreciate the time that you have spent with us. As someone who has not been through what you and my husband has been through, I I appreciate that perspective, and I hope that I can. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I'm going to tell you this, though. 
Mm-hmm. Struggle is struggle. Right. I don't have to have. I don't actually have. I don't have to actually have cancer to understand that it's a hardship. Mm. So you know, struggle is struggle. It doesn't matter if you've gone to prison or if, or or if you've experienced some other kind of struggle. The struggle is struggle, and we sharing that together, all of us. Right, and I think when we start judging whose struggle is is worse than whose, we really right. losing that point. We really losing what we can learn from each other. So yeah, like saying I'm the tallest mid. I'm the tallest mid. <laughs> we all mid. What right. do you mean? Yeah. Right, exactly. So, so I appreciate you. I hope that your day goes well and that uh, the time between the, this and the next time that we get to talk is filled with blessings and purpose and drives you to be even better so that you can bring that to the world. Absolutely. Likewise, I thank both of you guys. Take it easy. And it's always love and respect on my end. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's reciprocal. Um, I hope to see you soon, man. Okay. Sure. We definitely got to sit down. Me, you, and me. Oh, Oh, Vincent. Yeah, yeah. Probably he's supposed to be doing a video next week, so uh, I'm hopeful we can get down there for that. Yep, I'm going. I'm going over there after I leave uh, the studio. We're gonna go over some ideas and stuff. Okay. Uh huh. All right, all right, man. Um, I'm gonna get up with you. Uh, hopefully soon. All right, boy. You take it easy. Love. All right, love.